Well, this morning, before we get into the sermon, I want to give you guys an announcement of some transitions that are happening. Uh, Jeff and Leanne came to us about a year ago, and we were in the midst of a season of us as a worship team at our church needing a lot of development, a lot of um, uh, growth that needed to take place. And I reached out to Jeff and I said, we need help. We, we need help when it comes to worship ministry. And we sat down and talked. And Jeff shared with me at that time, he said, you know what, I, I feel called to help come and be a part of the Real Life Ministries team for a season uh, to help the worship team, but eventually I feel called to go plant a church. And uh, we talked about some of the things that we wanted to see happen here at, at Real Life. One of the things we talked about is there needed to be more discipleship that was taking place in the worship ministry. There needed to be an opportunity for new leaders to rise up and to be led and to be equipped to actually lead worship ministry. And over the last year, it's been amazing to watch Jeff and Leanne and to partner with them and to see how they've grown the worship team. Our worship team is not the same worship team from a year ago. It is drastically different. It has matured, it has grown. And I don't know if you've noticed, we've been having new worship leaders lead over the last six weeks. People that have been equipped because of Jeff and Leanne's leadership and how they've loved and invested in people. And as they've grown and, and grown in their ability to lead, uh, Jeff, back in about October said, I think it's time. I think it's time for me to step out in the calling that God's put in my heart. And I've been wrestling with him for a couple of years in regards to planning this church. And so uh, he is stepping down from leading worship here at Real Life Ministries and gonna be planning a church. And we wanna communicate that to you. And we wanna pray over Jeff and Leanne as they make this transition. And it's a, it's a sad day for Real Life Ministries, but a good day for Jeff and Leanne because this is, this is them stepping out in faith and what God, what Jesus has put in their heart or what he's inviting them into. And for us at Real Life Ministries, we want every single person that comes through our doors to walk in the obedience of what Jesus is putting in their heart. And so today is going to be the last day that they're going to be leading worship for us, uh, but they're going to be stepping into a new season. And I would love for you to chat with them in the lobby as you may have questions, you may want to know more about what that looks like. Come talk to them. Come, come share uh, with them what, what you're seeing in them and, and they'll be able to share what they feel like Jesus is putting their heart to go and do. So I want to pray over them as we move into our time of service. Would you be willing to just raise your hands up and pray with me if you feel, so, uh, feel called so, to do so. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for Jeff and Leanne and their leadership and how they've grown our church and grown the people in the worship ministry. And, and Lord, thank you for how they've centered us on you every single week. They've centered the team on you every single week. And Lord, thank you for the things that they have done intentionally to help people be reminded as to why we're here, that we're here to worship you for the glory of your name and to make disciples, God. We pray for them in this next season as they take a step forward in planning a church, God. Pray you continue to give them clarity and confidence of your voice and your spirit. And God, that they would continue to walk confidently in you, Lord. We love them, Lord protect them, guide them, and may they not allow the enemy uh, to convince them of doing anything other than your will. We pray for this church. We pray for their leadership. And we pray for the people that have joined them in this journey, God. We love you, Lord. And we pray this all in your son's name. And all God's people said, amen. Can you say thank you to them? Win your war. For every single one of us, we 
are in a war, whether we realize it or not. And the war that we're in is not a war that we see from the outside. It's a war that happens from within, within our hearts and within our brains. And what's fascinating about this war is that God actually invites us into a process of actually choosing whether we're going to listen to the enemy or listen to him, listen to his truth. For me, I'm going to be really transparent with you this morning. Because I've had some pretty amazing disciple makers in my life, I've had people that have walked beside me and helped reveal the lies that I struggle with. Lies that I think, lies that I entertain, lies that I wrestle with. And some of these things I've been healed from and some of these things I'm still being healed from. Sometimes I think that the lie is, oh, it's gone, I've taken care of it. I don't wrestle with it anymore. And then it always seems to come back in in a different way because the enemy is, is relentless. But here are some of the lies that I have struggled with and continue to struggle with personally. Showing my emotions is a sign of weakness. Some of you might be saying, that's weird because you cry a lot as a dude like I've seen it on stage. I'd be like, yeah, that might be true today, but 10 years ago, I'm not going to be honest about how I feel. I'm not going to show how I feel. I'm just going to toughen up because that's what a dude does. Man does, toughen up. Don't show the emotions. Another, mo or another lie I, I believe is my worth is based upon my performance. If I perform well, then I am valuable. And if I don't perform well, then I'm not valuable. That my identity is based upon what I produce, not in just being loved as a child and son of God. That's a lie that I wrestle with and continue to wrestle with. I have value when I am needed and are noticed. But if I'm not needed, I'm not noticed, I don't have value. I will fail no matter how hard I try. I will never be successful. Lastly, people will eventually leave or betray me. And you can see actually, if you look at that, like it's kind of a cycle, an ugly cycle. And I can get trapped in if I'm not willing to ask the question, am I believing the truth about who God is and about who I am or am I going to entertain and listen to the lies of the enemy? Where do these lies come from? Lots of different things, and it's different for all of us. Different for all of us as we gather our thoughts and our beliefs and, and wrestle with these things. Uh, for some of us, uh, these are things that maybe your parents told you and modeled to you. As we know from Scripture, the sins of the Father get passed from generation to generation, right? And so whether we realize it or not, we may be passing on these belief systems to our kids. For some of you, you've experienced extreme trauma in your life. And that trauma has led to pain. And the enemy has been quick to come in and say, this is the truth about the situation. When in all reality, it's a lie. We all experience lies. We all have a set of lies that we wrestle with, that we believe about God and about ourselves. And these lies impact the way we live, and they actually rob us of the life that Jesus has for us. Aren't they just beliefs? I mean, do they really have that much power? I've been reading from a doctor named Caroline Leaf. She's a Christian pathologist and neuroscientist. She says this, Research shows that 75 to 98% of mental, physical, and behavioral illness comes from one's thought life. That's crazy. I didn't realize the, the percentage is that high. And yet we, we experience it and we see it. Like, for example, when it comes to anxiety, like I've struggled with anxiety at times. 
you know the impact of anxiety, right? If you don't, let me just tell you about the side effects physically. You develop depression, a pounding heart, panic panic attacks, headaches, breathing problems, upset stomach, loss of libido. That's never good, right? (laughs) Just being honest. Extreme fatigue, increase in blood pressure, muscle aches, and pains. That's the physical side effect of anxiety. The relational side effect, constant irritability. For some of you, you become more codependent on someone because you're so anxious. You're looking for relational reassurance, which leads oftentimes to really unhealthy relational problems. Or oftentimes you don't become more codependent. You actually become an avoider and you actually become isolated. This is anxiety. Where does anxiety come from? What we think and what we believe. What we think is true. But Jesus says it really plainly. Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? It's so simple, but so hard. How is it that we can know and understand all the side effects of anxiety, and yet we can know the truth of Scripture, and yet it's so difficult to just trust what God's Word actually says? Why is this so hard? What we're going to find out is that God actually wants to transform our hearts, but He also wants to transform our minds, and there's a war that goes on from within. And here's the thing. Your heart can be renewed. Your brain can be renewed. Your, your heart and your mind can actually be transformed into something that God intended from the very beginning. It used to be a belief that scientists considered the brain to be fixed and hard, a hardwired machine, that it actually couldn't actually heal itself. And what they're finding out is that your brain can actually be healed through scripture, through prayer, through worship. It can actually be transformed, which sounds familiar, doesn't it? Anybody remember Romans chapter 12, verse 2? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love this quote from Caroline Leaf. She says, science is finally catching up with the Bible, showing us the proof that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. This sermon series is gonna be built upon us going over the coming weeks, learning how to take the steps necessary for us to win the war that goes on within us. And this is not a war that just just happens quickly. It's a process. It takes years to heal our hearts and to heal our brains. How do we actually win the war? Today, I wanna look at John chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there. If you've got your phones, open them up on your Bible app. John chapter 10 Jesus tells a story and there's this word that pops up all throughout John chapter 10 verse 1 as he's talking to the Pharisees as the Pharisees are wrestling with the reality of of who is Jesus is he God and should we even listen to him and Jesus doubles down with the Pharisees he says this very truly I tell you Pharisees anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber 
The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listens to his, what's that next word? Listens to his voice. If you've got your Bible, underline it, old school highlighter with a pen. If you've got your app, highlight it on your phone. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his, what's it say? Voice, there it is again. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. There it is. Jesus used, his, used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and they will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A couple things. Jesus says that his followers know and understand his voice. Jesus speaks to you by love and truth that leads to life. If there's anything I want you to remember, it's this, that Jesus is speaking to you and his sheep listen to his voice. And his voice is the one that leads to love and truth and life. And Jesus used this analogy or this illustration because they would have understood it to a certain extent in the sense of like, if you go and hang out in Israel, there's shepherds all over and there's sheep everywhere. And at night, they create a place for them to come and hold away from predators. And the gate is actually the shepherd. It's the one that stands in the middle of the doorway or the gateway so that any predator that comes has got to come through the good shepherd. But not only that, I've, I've shared with you guys before in the past, and I want to encourage you, jump on YouTube. Don't do it now, though. Jump on YouTube and just put in shepherd's voice. And there are video after video after video of, of sheep that other strangers are calling out to the sheep and eventually the shepherd speaks up and what do the, the shepherd, the sheep do? They completely ignore the other stranger's voices. But when the shepherd speaks, what do those sheep do? They run to the shepherd because sheep understand the voice of the shepherd. It reminds me of uh, my family and I might get in trouble sharing this because my wife, she, she, she likes our dog, but she doesn't love our dog. <laughs> And here's the reason why is because Jack is so smart that he gets himself into trouble. He's stubborn too. He's super smart and super stubborn and he likes to run and he likes to be outside and he likes to go wherever his master is. Guess who his master is? And so sometimes he gets outside when he shouldn't be outside and no matter what Natalie does, screaming, threatening, yelling for Jack to come. Does Jack come? No. Because there's only one voice that he actually really listens to. And that's mine, unfortunately. And a training caller at times as well. Just to be honest. What has he learned? One voice, one master. And for us, we've got to ask ourselves, what voice are we listening to? Is it the good shepherd? Or is it a different voice? Jesus' voice is present, but I want you to notice, it talks about someone else's voice is present as well. 
the enemy. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Earlier in John chapter 8, Jesus is challenging the leaders again about really who are you a children of, a child of? Are you a child of Abraham? Because if you are, you would understand my voice. You would listen to my voice. He goes on to talk about the enemy. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Whew, that's powerful. You don't hear because you're not listening to the truth. You do not belong to the Father. He goes on to describe the voice of the enemy in Revelation chapter 12. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now I have come, the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Messiah. Then he says this, For the accuser, everybody say accuser. The accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. When I read this passage, there's two things that go on inside of me. The first one is this. How dare the enemy sit before God and accuse you, a child of God, the son of God, daughter of God, accuse you. In the old school, it's the accuser of the, anybody know the word? The brethren, right? He is the accuser of the brethren. He is the one that steps forward before God and says, this one, it's horrible. This one is a liar. This one is a cheater. This one is this. This one is that. This one will never make a difference. He is an accuser. He is a liar. And within me, I go, how dare he? And at the same time, I go, I believe that lie sometimes. I believe the enemy sometimes. I begin to lose the war when I choose to listen to the beliefs that have been ingrained in my life instead of choosing to come to the source of life, the giver of life, the giver of truth. But did you notice what it says on this last part of verse 10? It says that he has been, what's it say? Hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to, sh to shrink from death. You see, Jesus has come and he's invited you into the process of choosing to no longer listen to the enemy, but to listen to the giver of life, the good news of the gospel, Jesus and that as his voice speaks over your life, that you have the ability to triumph over him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, to not shrink back, but to lean in and say, I'm not gonna listen to you anymore, enemy. I'm not gonna allow you to accuse me anymore. I'm not gonna allow you to lead me down a path that leads to death and destruction, but I'm gonna choose to go to war with the enemy and to live by the truth and live by love. There's no better message than for us 2022 to ask yourself this question this year how are you going to listen to God's voice more and not the enemy you want to transform your life you want to set goals start right here right here with God and his word 
The enemy is going to speak accusation, lying that leads to death. The enemy's voice is going to be the opposite of Jesus' voice. And so watch out for the one that's coming over the fence. He comes lying and accusing. He's going to use old failures, old names, old identities, old questions. He's going to label you in all sorts of different ways. That you're a liar, a cheater, an alcoholic, an addict, a loser, an idiot, you're stupid. All these different things. Guess what? That's not from God. He's inviting you to trust his word and his spirit. He's going to ask you questions. Why can't you figure this out? Why are you so dumb? What's wrong with you? Why don't you think you could, why do you think you actually could, could succeed? Why do you think that you could actually figure this out in this next go around? You're never going to figure it out. He's an accuser. And God's inviting you to trust his word. You can choose what voice you listen to. You can choose what voice you listen to. You can choose your thoughts and beliefs. You must learn to discern the difference between the voice of Jesus and the voice of the enemy. You can't win your war. And if you're still wrestling with the fact of like, are you admitting that you hear voices? Yes, I'm admitting that I have an inner dialogue that goes on inside my head and my heart. Am I the only one? Some of you are raising your hand, okay. Maybe I am crazy. We all have an inner dialogue. What does that inner dialogue look like? In 2022 is the year you can say, I I'm not going to allow the enemy to speak over me anymore. Some of you have been listening to the enemy for so long that you're in a rut. You've given up on changing, having any hope, because you don't believe you can actually change. I want to tell you, don't give up, friend. Don't give up. Parents, you've got kids that are wrestling with this right now how do I know because I hear it from my own kids I'm so stupid no you're not don't let the enemy capture the heart of your kids but starts with us as parents where are you listening to the Lord Proverbs 23 19 hear my son and be wise guide your heart in the Way. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so, what's it say? So is he. Whatever your inner dialogue is, that's, that's where you're headed. Craig Rochelle says, you are headed down the path of your strongest thoughts. Whatever you think about, that is where you're headed. That's where you're leading. You can't control your circumstances. You can't control your life. But you can choose your reaction or your response to the events and the circumstances. You can choose to believe certain things about the place you find yourself in. How do you begin to discern life? How do you begin to discern God's voice? There's a couple things I want you to think about. First one is this, is what is the fruit of the thinking that's going on in your life? What is the fruitfulness? Is it leading to life or is it leading to death? Is it leading to cursing? Or is it leading to blessing? Galatians 6 says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. You might be saying, well, isn't this talking about actions? Absolutely, it's about actions. But where do our actions come from? Our thoughts. Our worldview. What goes on in our brains, what goes on in our hearts, then leads to how we live. 
Deuteronomy says it this way, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so you and your children may live and you may love the Lord your God and listen to his, what's it say? His voice. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. And so what are you sowing in your life? What are you sowing in your brain? What are you sowing in your heart? What does the inner dialogue actually look like? Is it fruitfulness? Is it life? Is it death? What is the line, line of, of thinking? Is it actually producing loving God? And here's the th other thing, loving your neighbor. What does it produce relationally? I know for all of us, like God has certain people in our lives that he has brought in to help refine us and grow us because they irritate the snot out of us, right? Don't nudge your partner next to you if you're married, right? This is a good time to do that, right? But honestly, seriously, like what is the inner dialogue going on inside your head and your heart and does it lead to fruitfulness of loving God and loving others? What are the lies that you're believing about that person that you've convinced yourself is true? What does the inner dialogue look like? When we believe the truth that we can't control our lives or our circumstances, but we can actually choose our reactions or responses to events and circumstances, we are choosing to win the war. We're choosing to surrender to the good shepherd, to his voice. And so for the next four weeks after today, we're gonna go through a process of like, what does this actually look like day in and day out? How do we begin the process of replacing our lies with the truth, replacing the truth from the lie? How we actually do that, what does that actually look like? And there's a couple things I wanna invite you into. The first one is this, is, Recognize that you have the power to choose. I've said that probably 20 times today. You have the power to choose. You have the power to actually step back and go, what is going on in my heart and my brain right now? You have the ability to look on the conversation. Maybe say, I've never done that before. What would it look like for you to, to step back? And I just want to tell you, in order for you to step back and do that, it's going to require you to be quiet. It's gonna require you to get a journal out and actually open up God's word and actually ask the question, like this is what God's word says, but this is what is going on in my head, in my heart. This is what I'm believing. Even though I don't wanna believe that, this is what I am believing. It's gonna require you to spend time with Jesus quietly. And I wanna tell you like, our, our, our world is so busy, noisy, that this, God's word gets completely drowned out. And the only way we're gonna win the war, you guys, is if we're quiet with Jesus. And Jesus has said it plainly, and you hear me say it all the time, like, if you wanna produce much fruit, abide in me. But if you don't abide in me, you can produce Nothing, no, nothing. We can't afford as God's followers, as his children, as his sheep to not be in his word every single day and journaling every single day. We can't. 
I can't even lead myself apart from Jesus, let alone my, my wife and my kids in my community, in our hospitals, in our schools. Like we, we can't lead the kingdom of God to be a partner in Jesus if we're not with him every single day quietly. Another thing to think about, drive, drive silently, turn the radio off. I listen to worship music, that's good. Keep doing that, turn it off. And pay attention to the internal dialogue. You'd be surprised on where it goes, what you're thinking about. And you realize, man, I'm kind of worried about this. This keeps coming up. And guess what? Every single time you go to turn the music back on, ask yourself this question, why am I turning the music back on? Because you've probably hit a point where you're like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to face that. And that at the moment is the beginning. You go, oh my gosh, Lord, you, you're revealing a lot of things right now about what I'm believing, what I'm not believing. May, might take five days. No radio. Turn it off. Talk to the Lord. For some of you, you're going to start this process and at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, midnight, one, the enemy is gonna come at you with everything he's got. Go to the word, go to the Lord, go to the good shepherd, go to the voice that speaks truth and love over you. Lastly, would you get connected to real community? Start a devotional with others about winning your war, and if you need help about different devotionals, I've got three that I could send you right now. They might even be in your bulletin insert. I'm not sure, I didn't check to see if it's in there, but go and join a community, get in a home group, men's group, women's group, and start talking about the things that you're wrestling with, the lies that the enemy has put in front of you and say, I'm not gonna choose that anymore. I'm gonna choose life. I'm gonna choose life. Lastly, I just want to say this, John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You might be feeling like you've been playing, fighting this war your entire life, and guess what? You probably have. I have too. But I just don't ever want anybody to forget that Jesus has already won the war. He's already won it. He's gonna hurl the enemy down and finalize it. What he's inviting you into is the journey of you winning your war because as you win your war and as you help other people realize they can win their war, what you're doing is you're partnering with Jesus to enter into his kingdom, but it's gonna require you to surrender your life. It's gonna require you to give yourself over to the good shepherd who lays his life down for you. And for some of you, you've never done that. You've never said, Jesus, you're, you're my good shepherd. And for some of you, today's the day. 2022 is the day. 2022 is the year where you say, I'm following Jesus. I'm trusting with him. As we get ready to go to communion, I wanna invite you just to bow your heads and pray over these next steps and pray over what Jesus is saying to you today as we get ready to have communion with Jesus.